Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Seriously, the podcast from the New Statesman that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week we're going to be talking about the new series of Aziz Ansari's Master of None and the BBC3 comedy Can't Cope, Won't Cope. We've also listened to the Black Tapes podcast for the first time, so we'll be talking about how that went later in the show. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to Seriously. We're looking through some of your emails, as we want to do. Emaily, emaily. We've got one from Alex here who gets in touch about Riverdale because they say that while they enjoyed our review, they don't say that, but I'm going to say that. While they enjoyed our review, <laughs> they have to disagree on the point that it's a poor fusion of many different genres. Alex says, the genius of the show is that it's a brilliant meta commentary on visual culture. Uh, because it merges things like In Cold Blood, Twin Peaks, Fatal Attraction, Elizabethan Revenge Tragedy, Heathers, The Breakfast Club, all these different aesthetics. And Alex says it's therefore brilliantly self-aware as a piece of visual culture. And I think that earns it endless praise. For me, all those things are like so iconic in their aesthetics and so like very well defined, like Heathers. Heathers is one of my favourite movies of all time. And Riverdale's just not quite as individual as any of those things. By merging them, it kind of just becomes this weird, like, what is this show? The more I've thought about Riverdale since we did our review on a few episodes ago, the more I feel that maybe it is a Netflix by numbers commission in the way that we've read about other shows where Netflix have commissioned something because it's in a genre that they already have things that are really popular to stream and it stars actors whose stuff is already really popular on Netflix. Yeah. And I wonder whether Riverdale doesn't check a demographic box for them. It's a comic book adaptation. It has a crime element and it has, as you say, aesthetics that go with really popular things already mm. and i don't know that's made me think slightly less of it yeah and it hovers in that space doesn't it between something like twin peaks which is so over the top melodramatic mm. stylized to the point that you're kind of laughing at it a bit and it knows it riverdale's kind of in between because it's trying to do that and also be like a compelling normal teen drama at the same time which and be very serious it takes itself yeah, far too seriously but the... i'm still watching it lol. yeah true <laughs> <laughs> i would still go to like a riverdale finale viewing party mm. like. yeah <laughs> Anyway, you've got an email there, I see. I do. I have a lovely email from Felicity, who gets in touch to say, a classic long-time listener, first-time emailer from Australia here. I thought you would appreciate these amazing Monument Valley cosplay pictures. And she sends us a link, which we'll also post on our Twitter and stuff, which, yeah, shows some people dressed as 
amazing characters from the mobile game Monument Valley, including the central girl. Yeah, thing. it's amazing. really exciting. I maybe ignorantly did not realize people did cosplay from mobile games. Yeah, well, Monument Valley cosplay is not something I would have like expected to see, but I'm glad that it exists. Mm. So the first thing we're going to talk about this week is Master of None, the Netflix series from comedian Aziz Ansari, co-written with Alan Yang. It debuted on the streaming service back in 2015, and the second series begins with the out-of-work actor Dev, played by Anzari, having moved from New York to Italy to study pasta making. So, Master of None, it's kind of been gone for a long time, because it's one of those Netflix comedy dramas, or just comedies, I guess, really, um, that you, for me, that was one of the like top ones that I'm like, oh, yeah, really enjoyed that series, really wanted to come back, like looking looking forward to its return and then it took slightly longer i think than most of netflix's other original stuff to come back it's not like it's on this fixed yearly cycle like some of the other things like love or orange is the new black or whatever yeah totally i i'm not really sure the reasons for that i don't know maybe anzari had other stuff on in between the men he couldn't get on with the second series of Mm -hmm. master of none straight away but yeah it has been away for a while also i think the the sort of uh I think the way that Netflix drops all the episodes in one go exacerbates that feeling mm-hmm. of feeling distant from something in the past, especially if, like me, you binge through all of the first series in like two weeks. Mm-hmm. You don't have that because there were 10 episodes in the first series. If I had watched one a week, that would have taken up like two and a half months or something. And it would have felt like a more solid period of time that I'd spent with the show. But yeah, so it's been away for a while. It now returns for a difficult second series, if you mm-hmm. can say that, about TV. Uh, and we've seen I've seen the first two episodes of the new series you've seen three yeah so I think if you're listening to this on Tuesday it comes out this Friday I mean I was tempted to just power through all of it to be honest because it's one of those shows that I find so watchable Mm, it's very consumable isn't it yeah because it's kind of like light fluffy funny and yeah bite-sized it's just great so the series starts with you know no spoilers we're not going to spoil any you dramatically before it starts but we open in Italy in black and white. Yeah, so the first episode is probably, I would guess, as close as Master of None is going to get to a bottle episode. And it's not a strict bottle episode in the sense that the characters aren't contained in a particular room or device. But, you know, we see Dev Ansari's character completely out of the context we last saw him in, which was New York. He's living in a fairly small Italian city. He's learning to make pasta. He's an apprentice at a cafe or restaurant learning to make pasta. And I think, doesn't it just follow the action of one day, which is his birthday? He's made some friends in this new town. Particularly love his friendship with the young boy, the grandson Mm -hmm. of the woman he's learning pasta making from. He is excellent. He says things like, you're Italian, it's awful. It is mostly subtitled this this episode as well, as well as being in black and white. So yeah, it's literally like Master of None goes art house European movie. (laughs) Yeah, goes Fellini or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I really enjoyed that. And I think it was a bold but good decision they made to say from the outset we want to do other things with the show we're not going to become a formulaic new york comedy yeah i think we said this in our discussion of the first season you get this like thematic sense of like this episode deals with this this episode is about this and i think that for me that's exacerbated even by like every time they have a different episode title card and it's in a different font and a different style each time and it's a bit like master of none goes to hollywood or whatever do you know what i mean it's like that that very specific vibe and so yeah I I agree I quite liked these one thing that I had forgotten about Master of None and I think I'm like 
absolutely in the minority on this opinion is that I find it very like stilted Mm. I don't find the acting particularly naturalistic often at points and I find the I find it a bit like hey what are you doing today and you're like wait this kind of feels a bit like an infomercial or like do you get that I I do know what I do know what you mean and it didn't actually really dawn on me until I watched the second episode because I think in the first episode quite a lot of it is covered up by uh, Anzari's slight um self-parodying way of speaking italian because mm-hmm. so obviously he's playing an american that is like learning italian who's pretty fluent but obviously he's slightly taking the mick out of himself all the time when he's doing italian style gestures or pronunciations you know he particularly this this word allora which yeah. means well like well at the start of a sentence and every time he says that word he does it in a more exaggerated and fake mm. italian sounding way and so they I, don't give you the subtitles for it yeah. so that you're you don't know what it means either because he doesn't know what it means for the first half of the episode which i thought was quite clever but so then in the second episode, we're in more conventional master of none territory in the sense that it's back in color. One of his friends from New York has come over to attend a wedding in Tuscany. Mm-hmm. We're back on relationships, both romantic and friend based ones. And, you know, the themes of getting older and feeling like you haven't achieved much yet and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And suddenly I did find it quite stilted i think is the word i don't i think there's also moments and i get this in other programs where when i see british people talking to american people on screen i find it really weird because like i normally am either watching like british accented stuff or american accented stuff and when the two come together i'm like wait is this like is there a fakeness Mm. at work here which one of you's got the like fake voice i can't tell so that's just like obviously my brain being weird but then there are moments in this where people are yeah like making plans or like fake fake introductions of characters another thing in this program that i find quite not that naturalistic but then it's a very stylized show as we were saying like every episode is sort of like themed and like specific in some way so maybe it just doesn't need that and it doesn't make it any less watchable for me no it doesn't and the only point where i got even mildly irritated with it was in the second episode when they're at this wedding and it's his friend arnold's ex's wedding and Arnold behaved really badly because when he first gets to the wedding, he goes up to the bride and is like, I've always loved you. We mm. should have been together. Why are you going out with a man who looks like me, but shorter, etc., etc." And obviously she's really devastated because he's just been a total dick to her on her wedding day. Mm. And then later, there's, then there's a montage of him and Dev going off and like eating some nice pasta and cheese. And then when they come like back... sucking off the wedding for a bit. <laughs> and then when they come back, Arnold just like, I'm going to make a speech now, even though nobody asked me to. Yeah. And instead of... Arnold's speech being like embarrassing and a bit weird and there being the sense that he's sort of destroyed the event with his selfishness instead he makes his quite self-involved speech about you know we used to be together but Mm. now we're different people and I really wish you well with that I actually want good things for you because I'm a good person I just want everyone here to know that yeah and instead of him being like punished in the meta narrative of the show for that everyone in all the characters are like, oh, Arnold, well done. And the bride's like hugging him and, mate, you did such a good job and the all this kind of thing. The bride barely gets a line as well. I know. <laughs> so that made me feel a bit like, well, this is just a very, very almost like classic 70s sitcom way of dealing with this conflict. Yeah. I am disappointed by this. Yeah. But I, I enjoyed the sort of montage of them, like having a nice That's time and like the Italian stuff. Like It's and so it, charming. All of it is so charming. Yeah. And I really like those little things where they 
they do focus in on like a little kind of like linguistic quirk that you actually think probably is quite natural to the like mm. the people working on it so when they say like eating in Italy is my favorite thing they keep saying that like over and over again and like si- singing little songs to that tune and I I like that because that to me is yeah there's just something really genuine and warm about it so I like that so I in the third episode from what I've seen the from it's from the third episode that we're back in New York right okay um and I really liked the Italian interlude but I'm kind of glad that the rest of the series I think is gonna take place in New York and Dev gets this new job I don't know if you see that at the end of the second episode. yeah he gets a job hosting a cupcake based bake-off show right <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like a kind of more gaudy is that the right word version of the bake-off less twee and more colorful um but yeah so I'm excited to see where the series goes where Dev's love life goes want to catch up with that yeah I think no matter what else happens in the show I just really enjoy spending half an hour at a time with Aziz Ansari yeah definitely and this is like it's a rom-com and Mm. we love rom-coms on seriously so this is just irresistible for that alone sull'eco del concerto che insieme ci trovò ripeterò ancora la strada che mi porta a te Now we're going to talk about Can't Cope, Won't Cope, which is a coming-of-age drama on BBC Three about two young women in Dublin. It follows Ashling and Danielle as they navigate their early 20s and the booze-fueled life that they have built for themselves. Yeah, before we even get onto this show, I have to say, is the title, right, is a reference to this British cooking show called Can't Cook, Won't Cook? I was wondering about this as well, which is like a daytime TV. <laughs> With like Ainsley Harriet yeah. and all these other like sort of third tier celebrity British chefs. See, now I get that show confused with Ready Steady Cook, which is the one that had oh, shit, so was green I. peppers and red tomatoes. So that was Ready Steady Cook. I think that one's Ready Steady Cook, but Can't Cook, Won't Cook was definitely on basically oh, identical format. what was Can't format. Cook, Won't Cook? I think Can't Cook, Won't Cook was when, maybe it was like Fern... Was it Fern Cotton? Apparently it or was. Fern Britain. No, no, it was Ainsley Harriet. Thank God, because okay. he's my idol. Uh, that was broadcast on BBC One on weekday mornings, usually after the breakfast news. Two chefs, one of whom could not cook and one of whom would not cook. <laughs> <laughs> Genuine line from Wikipedia. Were nominated by a friend or relative to cook a meal under the instructions of a world-class chef. So I think the two chefs of of the beginning of that sentence are just like normals contestants right yeah when the dish was cooked the nominator would be blindfolded and asked to taste the food yeah following this they would decide whose dish was best in the event of a a tie the aforementioned chef would decide (laughs) (laughs) that is brilliant so yeah i just find that so weird that they would be like right we're gonna make this show and we're just gonna like call it (laughs) can't cope won't cope in reference to this like 
90s British cooking show. Yeah, it's really funny. So in the publicity blurb for this show, which is, start, I think it's the first episode was already on iPlayer and I think there's going to be one a week for six weeks now. Mm-hmm. The publicity material for it says this is a millennial coming of age drama. Yeah. And you will be in no doubt about this once you've watched the title card for it because it's <laughs> it's in millennial pink and it has animations of mobile phones and other things that millennials like. So after you've seen that title card, it like cuts to Ashling in her office being like, the alcohol is sweating out of me like and you're like okay (laughs) got it rowdy drinker (laughs) yeah so I watched this with my housemate Danny who is an actual Irish person from actual Dublin who was human Dublin person was able to explain some of the things about this show but she also found it pretty baffling in other respects so her best theory about um who the girls are she reckons that they're not from Dublin that they are from somewhere else in the country and they've moved to dublin right this is based on their accents so these two these two irish girls live together in a sort of house share yeah or is it flat share i can't really tell from from the the interiors in central dublin and they've both got one's got a job and one's an art student and they're just trying to get by in that very typical like struggling millennial way yeah so Danny's theory is that they've, you know, come from out of town for uni or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and hence why they don't sound like Dubliners, yeah. and also they treat the city like somewhere to vomit more than <laughs> north more than somewhere to be- belong. Yeah. But something else I found so interesting about this show is that I think the way it's presented, we're supposed to think it's a comedy. It has the really chirpy title music. It has a lot of the framing reminded me of Broad City or the early series of Girls, like Mm -hmm. two young women breaking taboos, like peeing in front of each other, sharing a toilet cubicle, you know, having alcohol in their handbags, having a great time Mm -hmm. messing with the boys. I think it's deeply sad. Yeah, well, I was having that same thought in my mind of like, is this a comedy? Not because this is sad, because I think a lot of my favourite comedies are also just like super bleak Mm. and about people living bleak lives. But because I was like, this has the lightness of a comedy, but I'm not laughing, really. I'm Mm. not laughing out loud. Like, it's not that's not to say that there was nothing that I found funny about this programme. There were moments that I found funny. But, you know, maybe this is just my bias. But when I watch an episode of Girls, I like cry sometimes with just the sheer polarity of performances from people like Andrew Rannells who are just so funny to me this wasn't at that level for me ever it was so I was like wait are we meant to care about the affair this character is having for example or are we just meant to like laugh at the fact that she's got sick on her top I can't I'm like not quite sure well that's the thing I didn't find it laugh out loud funny and then at the end I watched the first two episodes and ah, you're further than me I just and, watched the one and then at the end of each episode Danny and I would be like so let's just recap for each other what happened. And we'd list the things. We'd be like, oh God, like this girl's, she has problems. She needs help. <laughs> yeah. I feel sad that I just watched that, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, and there's a, I, I can't remember, is in the first or second episode, her thing with the morning after pill. Yeah. So she's, she sort of won't admit to herself that she's having a lifestyle of casual sex. So she doesn't want to be on the pill. So she's using the morning after pill instead as like her main form of contraception and the the nurse who's supplying her with it is sort of saying, maybe you should go on the pill and she kind of wells up, doesn't Mm. she? Because she's like, oh no, I'm not in a relationship. I don't want to go on the pill. And you sort of want to shake her and be like, look, this is not about judgment. This is about the practicalities of your life. Yeah, (laughs) No one cares if you're like, quote, sleeping around. Like that's not sad in itself, but it's her relationship with that 
fact is kind of internalized misogyny and sad in a way right yeah I found that scene really moving especially because I had Danny next to me being like it's not even that easy to get the morning after pill in Mm -hmm. Ireland you know so yeah I don't know just lots of things about it sort of pushed the emotive button rather than the laughing button for me do you think that's what the writers are intending so my best theory about this based on no knowledge at all is that it is what the writers intend Mm -hmm. and then the show has been packaged differently Mm. to how they wrote it yeah maybe but i think it's an interesting piece of tv and i do also think it's good to have some like programs that are really rooted in a setting that isn't Mm. london because we although you know it's not like everything on the bbc is set in london a lot of things on the BBC are set in London and the ones that aren't, I feel like often aren't necessarily like significantly about that the sense of place. Whereas it's been nice to see Clique and this mm. taking some, you know, outside of England, UK settings. In a sort of youth-focused drama way as opposed mm-hmm. to like a news way or a sort of issues-based drama way. Yeah. And uh, in a like, what's it like to live in this city? Like, what's it like to deal with a city with like in in clique where they sort of talk about this almost like semi-aristocratic under under part of edinburgh that's like more obsessed with money and mm. class like what's that sort of part of the city like and in this one you get much more of a sense of what it's like to kind of like live in a city you know with lots of drinking and you know i know that's a stereotype in lots of ways about dublin but exploring that aspect well, of like the party scene there danny pointed me towards uh, a, sh- a reality show that was on i think about 10 years ago called Fast Street which is the name of one of the main streets in Dublin which was like a Hills style scripted mm. reality show mm. about some well-off young women mostly young people in Dublin and she said to me this is like a fictionalized version of Fast Street mm. oh, interesting. and she said that loads of people she went to school with and stuff were completely obsessed with that show mm. so that that to me was interesting that I think it's you know it's coming from a different place than just the BBC commissioners being like, oh, we haven't done an Irish thing for a while. Yeah. One thing that I did think was good and also really horrible to watch was the sex scene they did. Yes, which was God, like, yeah. So Ashling has casual sex with some guy that she meets in a club and he like seems really charming in the club and like they almost get the writers almost give you beer goggles because he's mm. like dressed really nicely and he's got curly hair and he's handsome. And then he like takes her home to his older sister's house and he's like, just like really like bad and like really uncaring and like won't put on a condom and like is really like shh be quiet my sister all here and like just seems like a baby and it's Mm. like oh this whole thing has been a nightmare (laughs) and so I didn't find that funny because I was so uncomfortable but there was one moment where I was quite close to laughing during that bit when um you know he's like on top of her and stuff and he's obviously having a good time and he's like are you gonna come and she's like no not at all (laughs) not (laughs) and that (laughs) that did sort of yeah and she's kind of giggling as well which makes it much easier to take because you're not like oh this is a really horrible sexual experience she's just like this is a bit pathetic everything in the way she was saying was like you are bad at this (laughs) yeah yeah and i am not enjoying it (laughs) yeah so an interesting little comedy slash sad piece of programming yeah continues the i feel the run for the new online only bbc3 of doing really interesting things yeah we're we're fans we're fans of them and i hope that they carry on with this you know strand of things that are set outside London that maybe would never have got done when it was still a channel when you couldn't like directly see how many people clicked. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So last week, Caroline and I decided to listen to The Black Tapes, uh, which is a podcast that's got like a paranormal mystery element, or it is a pa- paranormal mystery show. I don't know about you, Caroline, but I was absolutely entranced by this very gripping documentary. <laughs> <laughs> it's fictional and we didn't realise it was fictional. Yes, I know. <laughs> so I, I got like 20 minutes in and I was like is this like a really badly sort of scripted version of serial? And then I googled and I was like, oh, it's fictional. They're all actors. I thought it was like Crime Watch where like they had like (laughs) interviewed somebody, but because they were like doing some shady shit, they had to get an actor to like read out what they had said. Because the main person to her credit is like very, very authentic in her voice acting. And it sounds like you're listening to Sarah Koenig or someone in in her delivery. So I was like, okay, this is real. This is the presenter of the radio show. And, you know, she says things like, as listeners to Pacific Northwest will know, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, this is from a real radio station. Pacific Northwest is not a real radio station. This is the thing I had to learn on Google. No, it's not. This whole narrative that Alex Reagan, the host of this one, is used to be on this other radio station and now she's doing this spin-off podcast project. It's like, all of it is made up. Yeah. That would have been helpful to know. It was literally like serial from This American Life. I was like, oh, cool. Like, whatever. Going along with it. Um, yeah she's great she's like interviewing people and then I'm like god this person she's interviewing is clearly reading her answers out from a piece of paper so this is weird so then yeah I had like invented this whole like fantasy crime watch scenario (laughs) where they were like (laughs) it's so silly Um, so yeah it's a it's it's a drama in the style of a documentary like a lot of things that we have liked in the past for me I don't know whether it's because of that initial confusion that it did I found it less successful obviously that is really a sign of it being more successful but I felt kind of like oh oh it's fake oh yeah until I got to the bit in the first episode where 
they go on a ghost hunt with this academic that <laughs> yeah, she's been yeah. interviewed and they you know get in a situation where they're trying to reach a spirit and it's like flash the blue light once for yes red for no and I did actually have a slight moment of chill at that bit when mm. um, the producer accidentally like kicks over the lights or something yeah, and I was like ah what the crap what happened yeah. so it does have the capacity to like genuinely shock me a bit but I think I think if I listened to a lot of it in quick succession if I binged it I think the stiltedness of it would I'd I'd get used to it like my ear would attune to it I think it's just because I listen to so many podcasts that are genuinely non-fiction podcasts that are genuinely structured in this way I'm very finely attuned to all the ways in which this stands out as people reading as opposed to responding naturally yeah and for me as well, there's this whole thing of like, when you're listening to say something like Serial or, you know, S-Town maybe even, or you're reading like a long read and it starts with this kind of like digressiveness and it's mm. like Stephen Furman's timber company was founded in a small town an hour away from Chicago in 1832. And you're like, okay, these facts are going to be important. And they like keep going with the spiel. Like it changed hands in 1903, you know, when an insurance scandal gripped the town and you're like, okay, yeah, following, following. With this, I'm like, oh, what's the point? Can't you just like give me a shorter backstory? Because it's not actually grounded in reality. Mm. And I have the opposite th thing when I'm watching a movie where I'm like, as we've talked about a lot of the time with our like biopic fatigue where I'm like oh my god okay there's a lot of backstory about this like illegal company here that you would just cut out of a fictional movie but because it's real you feel like you have yeah. to keep it in for me I wish that this had been a bit like sharper around those edges it feels like a lot of unnecessary information to digest and try and like puzzle over if it's actually just complete invention <laughs> yes I know what you mean I think maybe the attempt to pastiche and parody the serial true crime podcast it's very boom. accurate to be fair to, like completely fair it is extremely accurate it is but i think maybe the desire to do that accurately has overtaken the desire to create make a fun podcast. like a really fun podcast yeah. so yeah i would say a good one to binge if you're maybe on a long car journey or a plane journey or something but it's probably not one that i'm going to be like tuning in for every new installment yeah and maybe we've ruined it by like saying this is fictional but for me i think i'd actually prefer it to have gone in knowing that yeah me too i think i would have had different expectations and maybe made different allowances for it and mm -hmm. stuff yeah so next week we're thinking of talking about a book yeah how fun uh, a book that's not actually out yet so we'll probably have like a spoiler free light discussion of whether or not we think you should read this book when it comes out it's called sympathy by olivia sujic and uh it's got a lot in there about like digital life and how that like interacts with your own just inner conscious mind so that's kind of a lot of seriously ish themes in there so we'll enjoy it i'm sure but stay tuned <laughs> to find out Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from The New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including iTunes, where you could also leave us a review if you want. At our website, seriouslypod.com, you can find all our back episodes on Home Alone, Gilmore Girls, Harry Potter, Love Actually, and Friends. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show, 
or just hearing your thoughts on what we've already discussed, you can get in touch on social media or email us at seriouslypod at gmail.com. And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter pretty litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness it's the world's smartest kitty litter Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.